Hi, I'd like to welcome you to our show. I'm your host, Prang Medic. We're talking about life as a child of God and all things related to his kingdom. Thanks for joining us. If you're a new listener to the show, you can find articles and books and other resources on my website, www.prangmedic.com. Now let's jump into this week's show. My guest today is my friend Kelly Gordley, who is going to talk to us about traveling in the spirit and how it led to her finally meeting God the Father. One, two, here we go, right? <laughs> what is going on in your life uh, with oh my regard gosh. to traveling in the spirit? I mean, you, you hit me up and said, hey, we should talk. We got some stuff to discuss. So what's going on? Oh, well, you know, it's like pick a day. <laughs> it's a lot of interesting stuff. It's... um. Well, I haven't gotten the chance to read your book as of yet. So I'm actually going on vacation this coming up week. So my husband and I are going to um, take the time to sit on the beach and read the book. So we're very excited. It's, it's a good time of year to go to Maui. It is. I'm very excited. <laughs> I can't <laughs> tell cool. you. It's, it's, yeah, long time coming. Since your book has come out, I've gotten like a few like messages on Facebook uh, from yep. some folks. And then... Um, <laughs> Yeah, and then Lisa Perna had contacted me, I think it's been two weeks ago now, so I guess she called you about folks who travel in the spirit, and I guess you name-dropped me to her, so she contacted I, me. I did, yeah, <laughs> because she wants to do an entire month of interviews with people who travel in the spirit, and I said, well, Kelly does as much traveling as just about anybody I know, so yeah, I, I'm glad that the two of you connected. Yeah. She's very interested in this subject, and I think the Holy Spirit is all over it. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. So that's cool that you got connected with Lisa. And yeah, and we were on the phone for like two hours. She's fun. I mean, we had a great time talking. We're prophesying fun. over each other. <laughs> She's a like, chatty wow. Kathy. When it's I get good. on the phone, Lisa's like, hey, look, you have to keep an eye on the time because you two will talk forever. I know, right? <laughs> it's all good. So, yeah, um, yeah, so that's exciting. That's very exciting. And then I just had lunch with Melody Pash on Sunday. And so I was telling her about the conversation and the, the radio show interview with Lisa. And so, um, of course, Mama Melody, <laughs> she's like, you're a prophetic teacher, you know, and it's easier for me to discuss and talk on the fly and just kind of what I get with my downloads. You've learned a lot, and you've put in the time, mm -hmm. and you have a lot of experiences that I think are very valuable. I mean, when I was writing the book on Traveling the Spirit, I was always picking your brain, like, okay, you have more experience about this than I do. What are you seeing? What do you, the thing that I really liked is you were able to give practical advice and, and uh, some tips on how to engage the realm of heaven, uh, yeah. some of the steps that you go through. and how you activate your spirit, and how you engage things. That's the thing that a lot of people don't understand, and that you seem to have a really good handle on that. I mean, you're on the train commuting to work, and boom, you're time traveling, and you're traveling places. <laughs> it's like she's and there, but she's the, not really there. <laughs> yeah, that's the kind of thing people want to learn how to do. And so I was glad that you allowed me to uh, mention you in the book. You will probably, as more people read the book, you'll probably get contacts and questions because your experience and Todd's were both, I think, really unique. And very, it's a subject of interest to a lot of people. I guess the start in the journey, so to speak, is I guess I can call myself a, a 
reformed, uh, institutional conditioned Christian, I guess, is that a good term for it? That's what Denise the, and I, uh, I call, just call myself a church dropout. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. I was kind of born and raised on the church pew. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. But you know, like most of us, um, it's not that we're walked, we're walking away from God. It's that God is using us outside of the building, outside the institutional church to reach Absolutely. people, to reach people who would never darken the door of, of a church. Absolutely. And, and that's, that's the interesting part of it all is that, um, you know, being born and raised on the church pew, growing up in church, you know, being able to recite chunks of scripture out of the Bible. And so I knew a lot about God or at least what I was conditioned to think about God, but it really wasn't until I, I kind of got to the point where you, you, you've had your fill of knowing about God and, and hearing about signs and wonders and miracles and, you know, the, the charismatic and all that kind of stuff, but never actually seeing it with your own two eyes. You know, I mean, yeah, sure. We believe it because that's what we're supposed to believe, but the 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 ex, the experience the the taste and see that the Lord is good. I was like, so what is that supposed to mean, right? And so I got to the point where I I did walk away. I was like, you know what? I've I've had a lot of wounding. I've had a lot of pain. My life is a hot mess. That's what I like to call myself at times. It it was. You know, I I can't I can't do the 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 regular vanilla stuff anymore. You know, I, I'm I'm sick on it, I guess, and I can't you know be spoon fed that any longer. So it was like, you know what? If you're real, prove it. When did you start that, that seeking, wanting to know God personally in a different way? I would say probably around 2008 was. Oh um, my gosh, are you serious? Big, Yes, it was a big kind of turning point in my life because at the time I I faced a huge, well, I guess spinal injury, but I I had grown up with a condition called scoliosis of the spine. And in 2008, I had a lumbar disc rupture. And so I had to have a spinal fusion surgery. And so it you know, I lost my livelihood at that point in time. So it was a lot of snowballing things were happening to me. And it was just like, you know, I've served you faithfully. I've done the stuff my entire life, you know, and here I am. But at the same time, it was, it was a weird thing because it's it's like I was throwing down the gauntlet of just like regular old religion stuff. My heart was still had the desire to love him and to want to be loved by him. But I wasn't giving God the finger necessarily as much as I was just like, prove that you're real already. Some people need to go through a little bit of the valley of the shadow of death. Then the Sunday school lessons about Jesus and the God in the sky. We have this childish, not childlike, but childish view of God that has to mature. And I think for a lot of us that comes when we start to suffer hardship. That was kind of what happened to me. I, I had some, a season of about seven years of very difficult times. And that's when I actually turned from being an atheist to accepting Jesus. That was in 2007. And then 2008 was the year where everybody got released. Um, Steve Harmon in 2008 
got out of Bible college and he just started going out in streets and healing people. A lot of our contemporaries came out of the cave in 2008 after having gone through the hardship and the difficulty. Wow. We had we had been asked, we'd all been asking, like, God, we've heard about signs and wonders. We've heard about miracles. So will you actually show up? Will you actually do the supernatural things that we've heard about and read about in the Bible? So it sounds like that's where you were at. That's exactly where I was at. It, it was just like, you know, it, you know, when I would pray at that point in time, I did a lot of praying, but I always felt like, you know, I had to pray long and hard and make sure, you know, do I have any static on the line? Are you really hearing me? Because I felt like he was so far and distant away, you know, because yeah. um, I, I had a I had a misconception of of God. Right. Because um, I thought he was just this big guy in the sky sitting on the throne somewhere, really busy, didn't have time for me. And he was just far away. That's that's the. The, the misconceptions I had about him just because, you know, they, they always say like your your personal relationship with your earthly father kind of will sometimes reflect on your relationship with how you approach Papa God. And right. so I definitely had some of those inner healing issues and emotional stuff that I equated to Heavenly Father as well. So I just felt like he was a guy that was absentee, not there, just distant and far away. And so it was really starting to seek um, where you at, you know, like I, I'm over here almost feeling like my spirits inside screaming, you know, that like the stars in the heavens could hear me, you know, and, you know, just kind of feeling that vast, empty void of where are you desire and that burning hunger of like, I really want to know you and I'm not scared to look you in the eye. That's what I want to do. So I guess I kind of have like a little fiery bravery in me, <laughs> um, but that's what I wanted. And so that kind of started me down, I guess, the, the quest or the rabbit hole, so to speak, of like trying to go find him. And uh, so, yeah, so it was around 2008. You had no idea how deep the rabbit hole was, <laughs> did no, you? I had no idea what ride I was getting on. No, I had no idea. <laughs> the rabbit hole is deep. It is. Yes. Yes. That it is. <laughs> but it's, you know, but it's been a very good journey. It's been a, it's, it's been a rough road, a bumpy road, but a good one because I look back at, you know, the girl that I was then and you know what I'm doing now. And I'm like, wow, who was she? You know? Oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah it's amazing. It's just, it's really amazing when you look back and see how far you journeyed. You're like, man. Yeah. When I look back and, <laughs> at myself sitting in the church pews on Sundays, uh, listening to a sermon, and I, and I look at what I'm doing now, it's amazing what will happen when you start to seek God. Oh, yeah. Who, who he really is and what he really wants to do with your life. If you give him permission, everything in your life will change. Everything. I'm telling you, he will flip it upside down. Like not only just on its ear, but like 360 and then some if you want. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's willing to tip it upside down, shake it around, spin it, and you don't even recognize it by the time <laughs> he's done with it all. I got a couple of specific questions I wanted to ask you. Did sure. you participate at all in what just went down in Portland with Melody and the crew down there in Seneca or not? No, they, I know they went to visit Michael King. I was, I went to visit them in Tacoma on Saturday when they were at their, um, 
is it Fall Festival Fair? I visited them in Tacoma, so I saw them oh, yeah. the day before they went down to Michael King's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. I saw the pictures that uh, got uploaded with Seneca in her little, uh, she had little dragonfly wings on her back. Yes, her little fairy outfit. She's her looking awesome. Outfit. Yes. It's great. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's amazing what is happening with Seneca and the essences. I, I'm going to have her on the on the podcast here in, in a week or two, I think. Um, I actually recorded a podcast with Seneca, and I kind of blew it up. I, I got off uh-huh. subject, and it was not the interview either of us wanted, so we decided to we would record a another interview at a later time. And I'm hoping I'm going to have a testimony because she's sending me some samples of one of her essences that she's in the process of experimenting with. And it's the one that when, when Michael took it, uh, he had a dream that night that he took the essence and one of his altars came up and wow. started to self-disclose about some things that he had learned over a two-week period. And it was very interesting how this altar came up and just started talking to him in a dream. It's really amazing to me what has been happening with her essences and people in emotional healing. And, and I told her, I said, look... Uh, I would like to have a testimony that I could share on the podcast. Um, I've never tried any of your essences. I, w- I would like to. She said, well, since you give me so much business, I should definitely send you some. <laughs> so. Oh, yes. I, I'll, give, I'll, give a, I'll give a personal plug right now. If you have not tried flower essences and you're looking to do inner healing and some emotional work or different things like that, call Seneca. I'm telling you. She is... Einstein when it comes to she's a genius I mean she is a genius yeah not only being like one of the coolest people I know but yeah she's amazing but I'm on him all the time it's obvious that the Holy Spirit is leading her in Uh this journey of discovery of what to do with these essences and what they're what they can be used for I don't think there's anybody out there in the world who's doing what she's doing probably She's inventing something that's never been done before. She's blazing trails. And the crazy thing is she gets all these testimonies from all these people. I keep looking on her Facebook page and one testimony after another, after another, after another. And I think, wow, this is, this is amazing because I'm really interested in healing. And I see a lot of people who are not healed and I'm Mm -hmm. always looking for, okay, Lord, what are we missing? What have we overlooked? What are we not seeing? And I think Seneca came up with a huge piece of the puzzle that's been missing so far is essences. There's other things. There's DNA healing and they're, you know, going into the courts and getting some things worked out. We're, we're all learning about that. But man, essences is a very interesting piece of the puzzle that God is using right now that I think is exciting. I totally agree. And I can attest to that personally. What yeah. essences are you taking and what effects have you noticed? Well, one of the interesting things is um, I was, I've been part of Now Interpret This and, and learned, you know, dream interpretation and how to give prophetic words. But I am somebody um, who doesn't have dreams at night, um, not, at least not often. And it could be because of my life and my work schedule and like a Mack truck could drive over my bed. I just wouldn't wake up at night. So she has some flower essences called dream drops, you know, and I'd say the sanctification prayers at night and ask for dreams and all that. And I'd take the dream drops at night and like little snippets might come through. But then I ordered um, another flower essence that was called open ears. 
um, you know, for like your your spiritual hearing, you know, to kind of amplify that and help kind of unlock that a little bit. When I took open ears, I had a dream. That's how it worked for me. It was very interesting. Um, so it, it's it's the it's the energy of the certain types of flowers that are the frequency of the flowers that they're very subtle and they're very gentle, but each of them have very specific frequencies that will help to, I hope I'm explaining this correctly, Seneca, but um, that, that will just help to either, for me, I've noticed taking some will bring up just questions out of nowhere. And I'm thinking, why am I thinking about this? That's an interesting thought. And I'm trying to think specifically of a question, but it's leaving me. Um, but it has to do with like something I was working on, like inner healing something and just a quite, you know, I remember driving to work one day and just this subtle thought came to mind and I was able to ponder on that. And it was because I was taking flower essences. So it, it has these, it's like little keys that help to unlock things that help to awaken things, but they're very subtle. They're not harsh at all. Yeah. But they're, they're fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it because I have some roadblocks and obstacles that I would like to have removed mm-hmm. in a number of areas. Although I'm able to write pretty prolifically, I think I could be more productive. I don't suffer writer's block, but I suffer from I think like you said not knowing what questions to ask. Yeah. Like I'm always having this dialogue with the Holy Spirit and Many times, I don't understand what questions I'm supposed to ask him. It's like, I know I'm writing a book, I'm writing a novel, whatever, and I want some inspiration, I want some understanding, but I don't know what question to ask next. You know, like, so maybe the essences for me would give me an understanding and the wisdom to ask the right questions, which Mm -hmm. would facilitate the process of writing. So I'm guessing that that is maybe something that one of the essences might do for me. Sure, I might... it would. Seneca would definitely know the kind. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going to have to have a – I'm looking forward to our conversation with her. So back to you. Uh-huh. You have been doing quite a bit of traveling in the spirit. You <laughs> actually saw me hanging out with Wisdom and the Apostle John one time. I did. Can I you did. tell – the listeners what that was all about because when you told me that story I was I didn't even know what to think right well a lot of my traveling experiences happen early in the morning when I commute because I live um you know south of Seattle and so I commute into work to downtown Seattle every morning on the train so I have about a two-hour commute in the morning so usually I'll plug in like teaching or I'll turn on like you know um like Dell's music or something. And then I'll just like kind of sit in my seat and disappear somewhere. And so I use that commuting time to go traveling. Um, so I think I was asking the questions because, you know, like in your same journey of trying to learn how to see in the spirit and get, I always want like that HD clarity vision, you know, and like really see what's going on. And it takes practice, but I'm really trying to hone my practice skills of traveling and all that kind of stuff and try to really be cognizant and conscious. I want my consciousness to be up to speed with my spirit, right? So I'm like, how do I make that connection? How do I get all that understanding like downloaded right into my, um, into my understanding? 
And so, you know, I was pondering the question, thinking about it. And so I sit in my chair and I put my music on and then I start traveling, whatever. And I'm standing, I think, on a trail or something and wisdom shows up. And I've had a few encounters with her. And when she shows up, the right side of my body gets like very tingly, kind of like pins and needle tinglish. And she's a really intense presence to me. So it's kind of how I've identified her. She's very excited when you engage her because she wants people to seek out wisdom. And she's so happy to find those who are seeking. Um, it's kind of what I've noticed about her. And I found her after reading, it was New Mystic's book, Wally Johnson, The Seven Spirits of God, yep. I think, or introduction to that. So he had given a testimonial about engaging wisdom. And so since that book, when I read people's books or hear their stories, it unlocks things for me. And then I go there. So kind of like the whole thing with Todd Adams experience. Yep. That's how it's intended to work, I think. Yeah. You read somebody else's testimony and mm-hmm. about their experience and go, I want that. Hey, yes. I, can I have that? And then boom, the next thing you know, you're you're having the experience. It is. It's such a jumping off point for me. Um so I wisdom shows up and we're on this trail and we're walking and she ushers me through a door and in this room, it had like a, um, like a staircase. It was kind of dark in there, but the, at the top of the staircase, there was a door that was open that had light. So we went up the staircase into the lighted doorway and then we climbed up this tunnel. It was the bottom of a well. So I'm like, what? I don't even know where some of these experiences where I'm traveling. I'm like, I have no idea where we're going. So it's like a maze or something. But we went up a well. And when we came out of the top of the well, it was like this view that I saw. It was amazing. So it it was like a cliff type thing that overlooked like oceans and horizon. And it was, man, it was so cool. And it was like on this field. But then kind of over to the right-hand side was like the stone wall, and it had an amphitheater built into it, and then, you know, into the rock or the cliff there, and then you could see like the water and the waves crashing up and all this. It was very cool. And so I, I walk over with wisdom to the entrance of this little amphitheater section, and I see Ian Clayton standing there, and I'm like, oh, wow. I'm like, Ian Clayton... I'm like, very nice to meet you again, because I, I went to a seminar of his um, in California earlier in the year in March, and I had the opportunity to very briefly meet him. And I'm like, very nice to see you, sir. And I'm like, do you teach classes here in heaven, too? And he goes, yeah, of course I do. Like, yeah, no big deal all the time. And he's like, this is John's session. And I looked down, and it was John the Revelator. And he was teaching a class and it was almost like Ian Clayton gives him like a thumbs up, you know, and like John's like giving him a wave, like a high five in the air type and head nod thing. And I'm like, what is <laughs> so like they go way back. And I'm like, of course they do. And so I walk down and I sit in a seat, you know, like, a you know, on the bench in, in the amphitheater and Jesus comes up and he sits next to me and he's always smiling. And he's like, so what you think? And I'm like. I I don't know what I think. Like, what is this class? And it was John the Revelator teaching how to be in the spirit in the Lord's day. And I saw you in the class and I knew Del Hungerford was in the class and there were some other people in there. I wasn't sure faces, but I knew you and Del were there, but there were other people there that I knew. 
And Jesus was trying to tell me, he goes, your spirit is learning. You are in session. You are being taught. So don't worry about it. And I was like, okay. So that was the vision. <laughs> that was, it was like, the, that's the answer to my question. It's like, stop worrying about it. it. It's coming. So yeah. And then after I got off the train, I think that's when I voxered you and it's like, Hey, yeah. guess what PM? <laughs> well, you know, what's really interesting about that is, okay. So ever since I published the book, Untraveling in the Spirit, which I'm just going to warn you, your experiences of travel are going to jack up a lot when you, when you read the book, because there's so many different places I talk about in there. And you're going to be, I know you, you're going to be like, oh, I want to go there. Oh, I want to see that. I want to, I want to check this stuff out. <laughs> yeah. So I take afternoon naps. <laughs> Sometime between noon and three o'clock in the afternoon, I'll take a nap. I've just been doing that for years. And that I think it's fantastic, because, by the way. I like that. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I worked 24-hour shifts for a long time. Yeah. And in order for me to stay up 24 hours, sometimes 48 hours and occasionally 72 hour shifts, I would just have to, I had to learn how to take naps. So yeah. I take naps every day if I can. And since I published the book, every single day when I take a nap, I have a dream about traveling in the spirit. The crazy thing is I remember almost all of my dreams when I wake up at night. So I have these night dreams and I wake up and I write them down. And many times lately, they've been about traveling in the spirit, although not all of them. But the daytime dreams, when I'm taking a nap, all of those dreams have been about traveling in the spirit. When I'm in the dream, I'm fully aware, fully conscious of what's happening. I'm engaged. I'm talking to someone or I'm going somewhere. When I wake up, I have no recollection at all of what it, what it was. Wow. I, I wake up and I'm like, what the heck was that dream about? I know it was about traveling the spirit, but I have no idea. No memory. My conscious mind has no memory of it. Now, that kind of segues into a couple of things you said, one of which was Jesus said to you, your spirit is learning. Your spirit is engaged. So don't worry about it, right? Mm -hmm. What the Lord has been telling me is when you have these experiences whether they're visions or trances or daydreams or, you know, you fall asleep and you go have a travel experience. Your spirit is learning and absorbing and accessing revelation and going places and doing things. If your conscious mind is not aware of it, that's okay. Your spirit is still um, learning and growing and retaining that stuff. Although it is really cool when your conscious mind is able to retain what it is that you're seeing and doing, because then, then you can teach it. It's hard for me to teach things that my conscious mind doesn't have awareness of. You know, right. like when you have mm -hmm. the experience and you remember everything and you understand it, you can then tell other people about it. Hard to do that when you have some spiritual experience and you have no memory of it. I know. <laughs> yes. So. Right. Yeah. yeah. And and I think I think part of it too is like like am I am I absorbing all this? Am I getting it all right? So then, you know, like my old conditioning will kick in. You know, that's like the striving, did I get all, you know, XYZ, I, all the steps, did I do? And he's like, "Don't make this a formula. Don't go there. Like just chill out. You know, let this be the journey, the process and just I'm like, "Okay, sorry. Bad habits die hard." You know, that kind of thing. So <laughs> 
right? Yeah. Yes. I, I obsess. I do. So <laughs> trying to get it all right, you know? <laughs> right. Right. Mm-hmm. So what other places have you been and what other things have you been doing? Oh, let's see here. I've been doing, um, let's see here, a lot of traveling like with a group, like a tribe. And um, we've been doing a lot of practice with kingdom government stuff as well and kind of learning how to do that and like kind of walk through the courts of heaven, doing legislation. And um, you're in one of Mike's, uh, in the, are you in the Northwest Ecclesia group, mm-hmm. Google Hangout with Mike Parsons? Yes. Yeah. Well, on a wind right. gate and yeah, that's on a yeah. wind gate. Mm-hmm. Right. So you guys yep. are all kind of, you have your benches and your yeah. groups and you're doing things uh, corporately collect as a group. Yes. Yeah. That's, yep. that's where most people need to, a lot of people who are listening to this are, have no idea what we're talking about now. <laughs> I know <laughs> we've gone off on a tangent and that's yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to say get the CD, but I, right. I, I will say <laughs> if you listen to, Mike Parsons and, and Ian Clayton and their teachings on the benches, the bench of three and, and different groups of people who can do administrative work in the governments uh, and in, in heaven, all that will come to you eventually. First, you start going there as an individual, as a person, you're getting familiar with that. And then you realize, oh, wait a minute, this is something that we can actually do as groups and yeah. we're intended to do it as groups. So yeah. you guys are doing that already, which is really cool. Yeah. It's one thing when you can start, you know, trying to feel this out on your own. And when you start taking those baby steps, you know, to, to try to figure out, um, you know, what your spirit sounds like, what the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit sounds like, what Jesus voice sounds like, you know, trying to get the different um, feelings and voices and, and just where to begin. You know, because I was at that point where, well, I want to do this because someone gave me a prophecy once and said, you're a seer. And I was like, that's awesome. What is that? I, I had no <laughs> I had no grid for that. I'm like, what, what is that exactly? So um, and Melody Pash, she she told me that your spirit has a voice. And I was like, I don't know why that was like such a bomb dropped for me. You know, like the light bulb goes on. And I'm like, I didn't even know that my spirit needed a voice at the table. I had, you know, I had no clue, you know, because this isn't stuff you're going to learn, you know, in the institution, so to speak. No, there's so, not a lot of there's not a lot of Sunday sermons on that. There's so. not. So I'll tell you how I very, very first began, like dipping my toe in the water and all this. Um, and my poor teenagers, they think I'm kind of strange already, but, you know, they deal with it. So I have a sleeping mask, right, that I can wear, but I don't wear it to bed. But I, I put that on, right? So my eyes were covered. They were dark. And then I would put earplugs in my ears. And then I would sit in my walk-in closet in my room. I'd shut the door and turn the lights off, right? And then I would, because I know what my soul sounds like. I know what my emotions sound like. I know what the you know, like work demands, the, you know, kids' school schedule, keeping up with the housework, the what are we going to have for dinner, the grocery list. I know what all of that sounds like in my head, right? That's the constant regular zoo, right? The life stuff. I would just tell everybody to turn around and sit down and be quiet, have a Coke and a smile, and just, just be quiet. And I would have to learn first 
how to just be still and quiet because the chaos inside is the constant go, go, go all the time. It's, it's hard to develop the habit of just quieting yourself. So I would sit there first and quiet myself sitting in the dark in my walk-in closet in my room with earplugs and the sleeping mask on because I'm trying to dull my physical senses and I'm just trying to right. figure out what quiet feels like. So, Cause that can be a different sensation for people because we're so used to having like the TV, the radio, the work, the thing that there's just constant, constant noise all the time. So our senses are so overloaded. So going into a very quiet place is very interesting. So then at that point, when I would learn how to just sit, like, even if it just took me like three minutes to begin with, and then I got to go do something because I'm wasting time. So I'd start with three minutes and then work your way up to five minutes. And then when you can kind of sit in quiet for like five minutes, then you can start engaging the Father or Jesus or Holy Spirit. Ask a question. So I started doing that. I'm like, okay, so... What does heaven feel like? And I sat and I'd sit and wait. And then I would feel kind of like I was a little, felt a little lighter, but maybe it was just because I was quieting myself. So you know how you can kind of second guess that a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then I think one day I heard a sermon, and I can't remember who was teaching it, but they were talking about the, the cross. And how the cross wasn't the end-all, be-all. That was just the access door, just the starting point to go beyond the veil. And when I heard that, it rocked my world. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I always thought it was salvation, and that was it, right? So I, I was walking up the hill to work, going through this in my mind. And this was on a Wednesday. Specifically remember this. And I just, in my inside to my very heart I felt myself just say thank you thank you because I thought it was just this you know just go about going to heaven and you just saved my soul because you had to because you chose to love me but it was so much more than that it was it was reconciliation back to yourself so that I could enter into the veil and come into your presence right now and so I was, it was like this deep hearted thank you, like a well, like the, the most best gratitude that you could just pour out and muster, right? So I didn't really think too much about it, went through my work week. And then that Saturday morning, I go sit in my closet and I put the mask on, I put the earplugs in. And it was the first time that I felt Holy Spirit speak. And it came like from the center of my chest. And it was almost, it wasn't audible, but it was like an undeniable voice that it wasn't a voice that I was used to hearing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it was a voice that was not your voice. It was not my voice. It was In my books on seeing in the spirit and hearing God's voice, that's what I tell people to do is yeah. you almost have to put yourself in a sensory deprivation. Yeah. Uh, you know, when they, when they started doing those experiments with the, with the astronauts in the 50s mm -hmm. and 60s, where they would put astronauts in basically sensory deprivation, no light, no sound, mm -hmm. and weightlessness. Almost all of them started to have very deep spiritual experiences. 
Yeah. Because yeah. In, in, when you can't hear anything externally, you can't see anything externally, mm-hmm. all there is for you to sense is the spiritual world. Yeah. And then it comes alive. And then you start yes. to hear things and you start to interact and engage spiritual beings. So what you're talking about is very similar to what I did. I, I just did it in the ambulance. I, I would lay on the gurney in the ambulance with my eyes closed and uh, a little bit of worship music initially and just trying to engage God and ask him to show me things that he wanted me to see and learning to hear God's voice. It, it really is for, for me and I think for most people a process of first understanding what your thoughts sound like, understanding your worries and your concerns and your internal dialogue and your chatter, uh, the altars and fragments and all the other stuff that's talking yeah. <laughs> and, and those echoing yeah. voices of your kids. Mm-hmm. Once you learn what that sounds like, then another voice comes in and you look at, listen to that voice and go, that is not a voice that's coming from inside of me. That is an outside voice. Mm-hmm. Right. That is a different voice. Right? Yeah. And it rocked me. I'm like, oh, it's him. Oh, my gosh. I couldn't believe it for the first time in my life. I mean, I came out of my closet just weeping in tears. And my husband's like, you okay? What are you doing in there? You know, but <laughs> but it, it was, it's all good. It's, it's so good. And, I mean, from there, it's just been, you know, just a crazy roller coaster ride. And so now I can engage. Now I can just step through the veil and engage that. But right. it, it's been a process and it's been practicing because it starts with, I think a lot of people say it starts with desire. And that's the thing. It does. It yeah. does. You have to want it. I mean, and, and that's, and that's what I want. And, and I'm not going out just to practice, just to have spiritual experiences, just to have them. But I, I want to be in his face. I want, I've told him, I want to breathe the same breath that you breathe. That's how close I want to be to your face. And I finally started engaging God's face. It's incredible. It- did you have any fear doing that? Um, at first I did. The very first time um, I approached God, I laid in the middle of my bedroom floor and with my stubbornness, because I'm like, I've seen Jesus and the Holy Spirit, but God, you have four faces. You know, I'm, I'm learning the four faces of God. I'm like, I got to see this. You know, I'm like, where you at, man? So I... I I said, I'm not leaving this spot until I see your face. That's, I think I'm, I'm like grabbing onto his <laughs> robe and I'm hanging on and I'm like, we're not going anywhere till we do this. Okay. And so, um, I pictured like, I was like climbing up like the, a rock face, like almost a mount, the side of a mountain, but it was like dark. It, there was like thunderous clouds. There was like, it was like, I don't know. It was like there was like a, a weather system in the in the atmosphere that I was climbing up. And I'm thinking, oh, wow, what is this? But I'm like, I don't even care. And it was like sheer rock face climbing. And by the time that I mustered, like the got to the top of it, like the summit, it was like this peaceful, very still, like quiet, like you could hear, like I could hear my heart beating. That's how like quieted inside I was when I got to the top of this. And, you know, it's like the the hairs on your arms start to stand up. And so I'm laying on my bedroom floor and it and and I get like a lot of 
my vision is in reference to like movie scenes or that kind of thing. That's I see through movies very prophetically. I love movies. I'm a Netflix junkie. I'll admit it. But it was like the the princess in the never ending story, how that her little throne room had that like white glow to it in that mountain. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Um, I do. Yeah. But it was like the floor in the front of it was like this. I almost want to call it like liquid chrome almost. Okay. And I had a sense it might have been the sea of glass, but it's like you could touch it and it would ripple. And then yeah, when I looked cool. up, I saw this eagle's face looking right at me and it freaked me <laughs> out. And I was like, whoa. And then it, it was like these, like the eyes is, are hard to describe at least what I could, the detail that I could make out, but it wasn't like I could describe a color so much as it's like the depth of them. I don't even know if that makes sense or not. No, and it then, does, yeah. And then it was like the ox face I saw, and then it was the lion's face. And the lion's face came, it was it's like a big lion's face, and it came right up to me. And of course, I put my hand out because I'm a sensory and tactile, so I'm petting his snout and I'm touching his fur. And then I climbed up on top of the back of his neck and I'm all in the fur of his mane and I'm just stretched out in his fur and I'm just sobbing in his fur and I'm just snotting and crying all in his fur. And <laughs> <laughs> it was the coolest place. And then he turns his left ear to me. Right. It was like he and I think I heard him say something to the effect of um, tell me what's on your heart. And when I was standing in this experience, I or when I was sitting on the the lion and I'm telling him my heart, I could see in the corner um, two gentlemen, you know them that um, and Todd Adams being one of them. I think I've texted this uh, experience to them. It was about a year ago or so now. And I'm like, oh, I see them here. And he goes, these are men with father's hearts. And mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I, I totally get that. And so, um, but yeah, so he, he lets me sit all in his, his mane and his fur, but he, he lets me sit up there and he, he it's so cool because he turns his ear to me so that I can talk in his ear. And he's the, <laughs> he's the coolest awesome. daddy ever and so I never saw the human face like the the face of the man right I saw the hands and so we were at a drum circle a few months back over the summer and I said I gotta see the face okay again I'm not leaving here until I see your face right and so um I was doing my flags doing worship getting lost in it and I finally saw it was like a bright light but I saw the nose and I touched finally my nose to his nose. Like I've always told him, I want to breathe the air you breathe. And it like the, the scale reminded me of like sticking my face on Mount Rushmore kind of a thing. Yeah. And so now I just, in the mornings <laughs> I stick my nose right on his nose. I'm like splayed out on his face, trying to hug his face. <laughs> That's so, awesome. That's yeah. Great. And, and I've asked him, I'm like, do I call you God, Papa? And he goes, you can call me daddy. That's how, man, I might cry in a minute, but PM, that's how personable he is. I yep. mean, I can't even describe like the love that he pours out. 
It's awesome. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I, I have, you know, the first experience that I had with the father was in a dream. Mm. And uh, it was rev- revolutionary for me. I have a good father who loved me, and I was I was a favorite son of ten children. My my dad doted on me like crazy. I actually probably have a little bit of the Joseph anointing because being the kid who wasn't in trouble and the kid who was sort of favored by your father, I, I got uh, beat up on a little bit from my brothers. So I, I didn't have much of a problem hoping and understanding and realizing that God the Father was was pretty cool. I had no idea how cool he was, though. Uh, he, he revealed himself to me in this dream as this uh, benevolent man who thought I was the bee's knees, that I could do no wrong in his eyes. Everything I did was amazing. All my stupid jokes he thought were funny. He was cracking up laughing at the jokes I was telling. And he was just the most endearing, warm I don't even know how to describe him. He's just, he was so wonderful, so good to me, so warm and generous and tender and caring. And like all the, he knew everything that was wrong with me, but it was like he couldn't remember any of it. Like as soon as I would do something wrong, he would be like, what was that? I don't even remember what that was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he just, he only saw the good in me. And that's how he, that's how he revealed himself to me in a dream. It was, it was amazing. Good. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Yeah. And it's like, wow. It's, I mean, it's blue. Of course it blows your box. Like all the paradigms, everything you ever thought, you knew, you know, all that kind of stuff. Cause I always thought, you know, the judgment of God. I mean, I would, I grew up terrified. I'm like, Oh gosh, on judgment day, I'm freaking out. I'm trying to toe the line. Right. It, it, it scared me. I lived in fear. I realized I lived in fear of God. I mean, how sad. I mean, it is how sad. sad. There's a lot of people today still who, you know, when I do emotional healing with people, it's kind of funny because we've all been taught what to say about God, what we think about God, what our relationship is with God. And so most people are like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm cool with God. We have a great relationship. Everything's groovy. And, you know, I know he loves me and I know he's awesome and it's so good. And, you know, most people have that they have the standard banter down of what you're supposed to think about God. And then we get about 10 minutes into the emotional healing process. And they, I ask them to recall an event from their past. And then I'll say, what emotion do you feel? And they'll say, disappointment. And I'll ask them, disappointment in who? And they'll say, God. And a lot of times they'll start crying. They'll just break down. And they'll yeah. say, I, I really was disappointed that God let this happen. And I don't understand why he allowed it. I don't understand why he didn't stop it. And that's when, you know, the what we've been taught and told to regurgitate. But when I when you get into emotional healing, that's where your real theology comes out. And I, I just yeah. tell people, it's, look, you know, let's let the Lord show you how he wants to deal with that thing. And he'll remove the disappointment. He'll remove the anger. He'll remove the confusion. And he'll remove all of that. And then he'll have them go back through the event and have them remember it again. And it's completely gone. And they can look at it and remember it and have no confusion, no disappointment, no anger, no shame, no guilt. It's completely gone. And many times they say, I almost see this the way God sees it now. 
like I can be an objective person and look at this and go, well, it's just, it's just a thing that happened. You know, yeah. it's unfortunate, but it, it happened and it, it's just what people do. I, I love true. seeing people really connect with the heart of God and get oh, healed yeah. of old mindsets and wounds and things that are keeping them from approaching God. Oh, for sure. And that's, and that's also to, to progress and being able to travel in the spirit and see in the spirit and have more, like they say, HD clarity. You know, I used to tell Holy Spirit, I need a neon sign and a megaphone to get it. You know, you're going to have to like break through <laughs> to my reality Denise, for me. Denise always yeah. says, Lord, hit me over the head with a two by four. Make sure I get this exactly. really, really clear. <laughs> right. I know. I feel, yeah, exactly. Like the anvil on the bugs bunny and your ying. Yeah. The whole thing. I need that too. But a lot of the, the, that, that stuff, it's it's blocked it's stopped up it's it's like a it's like a dam or a an obstacle basically that that sometimes that that the you know they just it just can't permeate through until you start doing some of that inner healing and emotional work that is what i i'm finding is you know a lot of people that i that i minister to they know that they have a blockage that is keeping them from getting in touch with God's presence, with seeing him the way he really is, with feeling like they can be intimate with him. There are just all these obstacles that are preventing them. And I tell people, look, I guarantee you the obstacle, whatever is preventing you from moving forward in your relationship with God, it's not on his end of the equation. It is on your end. Yeah. And most, for most people, it's emotional trauma. And mm -hmm. so that's why in traveling in the spirit and seeing in the spirit, I put in my emotional healing prayer in the mm -hmm. book. People can go through it because what I found is people either don't want to engage the supernatural realm, they don't want to engage their imagination, or they are afraid they've got emotional wounds that are keeping them from walking in intimacy with the Father. Mm -hmm. And so when they go through the emotional healing process, uh, it opens up. It just busts the roadblocks and the dams and all the obstacles are gone and they start seeing in the spirit. They start traveling in the spirit. They they go through. I had this one guy who sent me this testimony. So he's reading the book on seeing in the spirit. He's thinking he's going to learn how to see visions. Well, he was addicted to porn and his wife had left him. She had moved out and separated and they were getting ready to get divorced. He writes me this message and he goes, praying medic, he goes, I just want to let you know this book saved my marriage. Uh, I went through the emotional healing process. He got healed of porn addiction and some spiritual junk that had been plaguing him. He went to his wife and said, would you please read this? She read it, went through the prayer process. That night, literally, she said, I felt the Lord come and pull up out of my brain. It was like he was pulling up stalks of corn that had been planted. Oh, wow. she, she said it was like, you know, the parable of the tares and the wheat where it says the angels are coming, pull up, pull up the tares out of the field. She said, I felt like someone was pulling up weeds out of a garden oh. in my mind. I could wow. feel things being pulled up and removed. And she said in the morning, she was a completely different person. The emotional wounds, the anger, the disappointment, the disillusion, everything completely gone. They got back together. They are living happily they shared their testimony with me. I'm going to put it in a book in the future. But, you know, when you, when you go through that emotional healing process and you learn to get cozy with Papa, mm -hmm. <laughs> and you learn that you can sit in his lap and you can hang out with him 
and you don't have to be afraid of him, and you don't have to be afraid of his judgment and his and his anger and his wrath. That he's just this loving, amazing father, and that all those fears yeah. and anxieties you have—they're your fears and anxieties—and you need to get rid of them. It's yeah. it's so good when you see people getting free. It is. It is, and even when you still have your own hangups and your stuff, and he gives you a little bit of a correction, it's still like getting a big fat kiss. You know? I mean, oh, yeah, when he when he gives you like. I'll give you an example, right? So my husband, he was dealing with a lot of stressful situations and that kind of thing. And so he had like a lot of the gut stomach pain. I was worried he was getting like an ulcer or something. He was really stressed. And so one morning he was almost doubled over and he's like, God, my stomach's so bad. So I'm worried, you know, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, my husband's not right. You know, there's been a lot of stress, a lot of situations, stuff going on. So I go in the shower because I talk to him a lot in the shower and it's almost like that you know, oh God, please, please help my husband. Oh no. And he was like, he, it's almost like he kind of tips his head to the side and he's like, really? He's like, don't come at me like that. And I was like, huh? And he's like, don't come at me like that. He, he kind of talks to me in kind of the slang that I use. And right. I'm like, okay. And he goes, look at what you're wearing. And I kind of look down at my shoulders and you know, those like old fashioned, like mink stoles that kind of look like the little fox head and it had a little yep. thing. Yep. I was wearing one of those, but it was a roadkill. It was like this stinky, <laughs> nasty, like the eyeballs hanging out. It's like the geeky gut stuff. And it was smelly. And I was like, ew. I'm like, what is this? He goes, that is fear. And I didn't give you that. You picked that up and put it on and it stinks. And I'm like, oh sorry, I'll take that off. Yeah. I mean, we don't realize, you know, like our fear and anxiety and panic, what it looks like in the spirit. And he's like, oh no, don't wear that in here. You know, <laughs> he was just like, nah, you don't want to pick that up and put it on, do you? I was like, no, I don't. So it, yeah, we have very interesting exchanges a lot of times, <laughs> but it's cool. <laughs> yeah, it, it is cool. And once you start to to get into that, Relation, relationship of intimacy with the father. His correction and his rebuke is mm-hmm. almost funny. It's almost like the the way friends mess with each other, or the way you know yeah. you would if you're if you had a relationship with a really awesome dad who understood you, loved you, cared for you, and you could be real with each other, and you can exactly like that. not have yeah. that fear and that anxiety and all those other things because all you know, I mean, you know. What does fear create when you are coming before God? It just creates a roadblock. You're essentially wearing an attitude that was given to you by the enemy. And why do you want to go into the presence of God with that? And then it blocks your ability to see and hear from him. So what other good stuff do you have going on, Kelly? What other good stuff do I have going on? I think intercession is kind of becoming... um, more of a thing. I used to think that intercession was, you know, like somebody who prayed for hours and hours and hours on end. That's what intercessors did. Um, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You are not going to roast a golden cow here, are you? You're not like barbecuing sacred cows. <laughs> I think I might if be. Because <laughs> if you're going to barbecue a sacred cow, I don't know. We might have to put a warning out before people. <laughs> I know, right? Put the disclaimer, okay? Yeah, she's kind of edgy. So, okay. um, yeah. 
So, I mean, that was my idea my in my mind, you know. I think that's um, the idea I still have. <laughs> right, right. And so I guess your, your seeing ability, your traveling in the spirit ability, stepping beyond the veil and living in the kingdom. And when you do stuff beyond the veil in the kingdom, then that affects your reality here. Instead of trying to pray from this three-dimensional space here in, like I share the story with my stinky roadkill and my fear, my fear-based prayers of begging God, you know, to please come help me, he can't really do a whole lot with that, you know? So when I step beyond the veil and I use my seeing ability and my traveling in the spirit ability that he's given me because we all have that ability like you talked. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Are you saying that it's not a gift that only a few people have? Absolutely not. If this gal can do it, anybody can. Yes. <laughs> That's what well, I'll if this, say. If this former atheist can do it, anyone can do it. <laughs> right? Right? Yeah. So intercession has taken me to a different level in that I see intercession as conversations with daddy, with Jesus, with Holy Spirit in the kingdom, sitting in the garden of my heart, going to my first love gate, probably thinking, what the heck is she talking about? Check out Mike Parsons. He does fabulous teachings on YouTube about this stuff, if you don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I'll put a link in the podcast notes to one of Mike's videos on first love gates and, and all that. There's He's yeah. got a playlist I could probably hook people up with. He does, and he breaks this stuff down like step by step and he does it very practical and he goes slow because sometimes I'm like, hold on, wait a second, hold the phone. You're going to have to slow that down for me. So he, he does a fantastic job at explaining things, making it practical. So anyway, if it's okay, I'm going to talk a little bit about Mike here for, for listeners who, who aren't familiar with him. The interesting thing with me, Kelly, is every time I listen to a Mike Parsons message, I have a dream. That has something to do with what he was talking about. I, I had a dream the other night after listening to one of his YouTube videos. It was great. Where traveling the spirit, uh, one of the co- concepts I was not understanding very well was illustrated to me. The first Mike Parsons message I listened to, gosh, it was a while ago. <laughs> I listened to this YouTube video and he's talking about going into the heavens, getting scrolls, getting your mandates ruling from your mountain, all that stuff, right? So before I even go off to sleep, my spirit is gone. It just took off into the heavens and it went to look in looking for scrolls. And then when I went to sleep after the video was done, my spirit was in the heavens, look, getting scrolls and getting mandates and all that stuff the whole night. Mike's teaching is, is great. Like I have nothing against Ian Clayton. I have learned a lot from Ian Clayton and Justin Abraham and a lot of the other guys that are teaching on this. But for some people who need a little more, uh, something that's a little bit more structured and a little more Mm -hmm. detailed and step-by-step, Mike Parsons' teaching is awesome. I I really like it. I I recommend it Mm -hmm. to people who don't catch on to things that quickly. So This gal being one of them, so it's all good. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, me me too. Uh, Until I got tuned into what Mike was teaching, a lot of the stuff didn't make a whole lot of sense to me, and yeah. now it's it's all coming together. So yeah, I, I would it was, recommend. It was like big broad concepts, 
you know, like Ian Clayton, it was, it was his experience, but it was in a big, broad concept that I was trying to grasp pieces of and like, okay, I think this is what he meant. I think this is so, and his stuff goes so fast. And then yeah. when he kind of makes a, a tangent, it's get the CD. So I'm like, I'm writing down, okay, I got to, you know, get this. So try to follow along. But, um, so Mike Parsons teaches along the same lines, but yeah, like you said, he, he breaks it down into step by step. So it makes it very easy and tangible and applicable and you can take pieces and practice is great. So I highly recommend it. Yeah. So it's all good. Yeah. So I was saying that um, intercession is a conversation with Daddy God beyond the veil, sitting in his lap, asking Jesus or God, what's on your heart? You know, I'll, if I'm praying for somebody, I go to Jesus and I sit on this bench in my the garden of my heart and it overlooks the, I think some of my mountains are in the background. It's very cool place and there's a river there we go fishing in it a lot but um he's fun I just have to say it's so cool but um I sit on this bench under this big huge like oak tree there's oaks of righteousness there it's very cool and I'll remind him like if I'm praying for my daughters you know or you know somebody and and I'm like Jesus you you love my daughter so much and he's like of course yes I do I'm like you know her better than I do. And so I want to remind you of her destiny and how important she is to me. But even more so, I know how much more she's important to you. You know, and so I'll pour my heart out on behalf of this person to him. And I remind him how much he loves this person as well. And that becomes my intercession for somebody. And sometimes it takes a while. But it doesn't take me hours and hours and hours. And then I'll ask, what is your heart? What is your direction? And I ask him, teach me how to pray. Teach me what to do. Tell me, what is your strategy for their life? What do you want done? Let my heart agree with heaven for this person. What do you want heaven on earth in their life? That's what intercession has become for me. So... The the tools of seeing in the spirit, of traveling in the spirit, of all this stuff, it takes on a whole new life of, of yeah. really tapping into I their think, heart. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think <laughs> a lot more people would be interested in doing intercession if they knew it could be done that way. That just sounds like a whole lot more fun than laying on the floor of your kitchen, rolling around and crying and screaming and, you know, blubbering and getting the floor yeah. covered in snot you know, pounding yeah. on the floor and demanding that God, you know, change something. I think your way of doing it sounds more like you're doing it from a place of rest and yeah. more as if, as in uh, what does heaven want to accomplish on earth? What is God's will on earth? That I think that's how we need to do intercession. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's great. And I'm actually seeing, well, I'm actually beginning to see the, like, I, would you say the effects of what prayer? Is the, what is the yeah? What does the fruit look or the like? So fruit of it, yeah. I, I'm starting to kind of start to begin to see that unfold in this dimension on behalf of people. You know, I, I pray for for coworkers. You know, 
And I have a certain coworker who she's very open to this kind of stuff. She loves hearing about the dream interpretation, the whole thing. She's actually even called me. She's like, um, she called me on our radio that we use at the hospital. And she's like, oh, I'm going to need you to come down here because, you know, such and such person had a dream. They need an interpretation. <laughs> so, so I'm like, oh, I'll be right there. But, um, you know, I, I've told her about her angels, engaging her angels because they're bored, you know. And she said, I was waiting to start a staff meeting. And she goes, I swear to God, out of the corner of my eye, she goes, I started seeing like these little light things, these sparkle things that you talked about. And she was like, I was kind of freaking out because I'm like, oh my God, Kelly's angels are in here. So, <laughs> so I'm actually having people around me, certain people starting to see some of the stuff <laughs> that I engage. Well, I love it. Right. The outworking of the kingdom in you is starting to manifest around you in your uh, sphere of influence. I think that's great. That's what it's supposed to be like. The people who are around us, their life should be changed a little bit by what God is doing in and through us, yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. And it's so uh, funny because it's not super Christianese. I, I like displaced all of that from my vocabulary. Puh, puh, puh. So, because um, that's just going <laughs> to shut people down. Um, right. Another sacred cow. So sorry. But, um, you know, it just shuts people off because people are like, ew, ew, ew. So I don't even speak in Christianese. I sound more new agey than anything else because people are open to that. Because basically, Jesus wants to be, he is for a specific person who they need. That's who he is for them. And he just wants his love to be palatable for them. And so I'm, I'm talking about him all the time. You know, I, I may not be using, you know, churchy church terms, but from my heart of intention and purpose, that's exactly what I'm doing. And people are very open to that. I really love what Melody is doing with, with the group, with you oh, yeah. and Seneca, and mm-hmm. mentoring you all in a way that empowers you to reach people in the new age and oh, yeah. who are you know practicing witchcraft and practicing whatever else they're doing. Because you guys have decided intentionally to get rid of the religious trappings and the Christianese and instead just engage people where they're at in their language through through things that they can identify with. One of the things that, that has been just irritating the heck out of me for the last year or two is this idea that uh, when you become a believer, that you have to learn this new language that has all these special words, code words and meanings and things that you had no idea understanding of before you were a believer. And now if you're raised in the church, that's not a grid that you have, but I was, I mean, I was kind of, I was in the church till I was the Catholic church till I was about 12 or 13, but I lived most of my life outside of it. But for people who live their entire life in the church, they do not understand how offensive religious jargon and terminology is to people who are not Christians. They, they don't get it. They don't realize that all this language and these trappings and all this stuff, all it does is create walls of separation. It creates barriers that if you want to reach some people, you have to take those barriers down. And you have oh, to speak yeah. to people in a language they can understand in terms they get. It's like Steve Harmon says. I love his teaching on it. It's uh, Most people have walls that they put up around their heart to keep mm-hmm. Christians out. 
because they don't like our language. They don't like uh, our attitudes. And so they put up walls. And sure. if you're going to change how many people them, have been hurt in the church who do the right. same thing as a defensive mechanism? So all that Christianese well, yeah. does is start pushing buttons and triggers. So, of course, they're well, going to be like, it, get away it from does. me. It's, if you've been wounded, if you've been abused yeah. by leadership, if you have been hurt by gossip and backstabbing and all the you know stuff that goes on in church, um, you have emotional wounds. You have fragments and altars that are related to religion. And all that religious jargon and stuff, it just triggers altars and fragments to come up when people and they start getting hostile and angry and becoming irrational. And you wonder, why are you getting so angry? I'm like, well, because your religion is triggering their altars. So if you would just drop yeah. drop the religious pretense and the judgmental language, you wouldn't be triggering people around you. <laughs> and then they would let the walls down and then you could come in and give them a message and love on them and maybe get them healed. Where they, where they experience Jesus, you know, people need an encounter. They need, they need a real tangible experience, something yep. that's beyond just the prayer of salvation. We've been it's, doing it wrong. There's another the sacred cow. Thing. I'm very sorry, but yeah. No, but, no, that's okay. It's, it's the main thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh-huh. the, the institutional church is like, oh, you know, get him to say the sinner's prayer. Well, yeah. you know, there's nothing wrong with the sinner's prayer, but the sinner's right. prayer is not really a kingdom concept. And yeah. the Lord in, illustrated this to me in a dream years ago. I, like a lot of people nowadays, I was kind of hooked on healing. And I thought yeah. healing was, it was, uh, it was the bee's knees. It was the ultimate thing. Jesus was a healer. I'm just going to go out and get people healed, and that's good enough. And the Lord corrected me one night, gave me a dream. I was praying for people to be healed in the emergency department of a hospital. And there was a doctor and there was a baby and there was some other people and I was praying for them to be healed. And in the dream, I knew that the main thing I was supposed to accomplish with those people was to allow them to feel God's presence. Getting them healed was secondary. The main thing he wanted me to do with everybody is to introduce them to his presence. So in the in the dream I was I was just asking Holy Spirit bring your presence touch them let them know that you're real. And when I pray with people and a lot of people ask me you know why do you what is this whole thing about you know asking God's presence to come in? Well <laughs> even when I've seen people who have not been physically healed when they're sitting in the back of an ambulance having anxiety and panic and terror because they're having a heart attack or something else is going on when this wave of peace washes over them and their anxiety and fear is completely gone and they look at me and go, what was that? (laughs) Well, there's this guy named Jesus. He's the Prince of Peace. And when he shows up, uh, he brings peace wherever he goes. And people feel it. I'm feeling it right now that you're talking about it. (laughs) I'm like, it's good. It's all good. (laughs) Well, the main thing that he showed me is he said, I want you to do the introductions. Just introduce my presence Mm -hmm. to this person, and I'll take it from there. You know, if they get healed, that's great. If they Mm -hmm. say the sinner's prayer, that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. But how many people have prayed a sinner's prayer and then sat in a church for 20 years and never felt God's presence? Never sat in his lap. Oh, true. Never jumped yeah. on his mane and hopped around on his fur. And you know. <laughs> exactly. So, because I start having these experiences now, 
And I'm thinking, where have I been my whole life? Like what? I've missed out on all of this, all this time. So it's amazing. Yeah. Having that, that personal experience. Yeah. To really know the guy, you know, see yep. what his face looks like. Know what his personality. He's hilarious. He's so funny. He He's has a great so sense of humor. Funny. I know. <laughs> I'll tell you the first time I think I read this little booklet. Mike found it on a plane and gave it to me. It was called Practicing the Presence of Jesus. And I think by somebody named Armstrong, I think he was like a, a, a golfer, pro golfer, something like that. So he wrote this little booklet about his experience of practicing the presence of Jesus, right? So I'm like, I want to do that. So I go, of course, in my closet because I'm still trying to engage his face and see what he looks like. And because I know what like the, the felt board Jesus looks like or what I call the glamour shot Jesus, <laughs> you know, the, the medieval, right. you know, looking white guy Jesus. So anyway, um, I go in my closet and of course I got the mask on earplugs and I'm like, okay, you know, the book I just read, I want to see what you look like now. Of course, like I said, he's got a sense of humor because, um, you know, those tuxedo t-shirts, yep. the, the, ha- usually the black t-shirt. Okay. I used to have so, one. Yeah. So anyway, to me, those are funny, but I saw a, one of those in like one of those shoe stores journeys that has like all the t-shirts and it says, um, my Jesus wears a tuxedo t-shirt. And I saw that hanging there once and I thought it was funny <laughs> and I was laughing. He shows up to me sitting next to me in my closet. He's wearing a tuxedo t-shirt, jeans and black and white chucks because I wear chucks, you know, with my jeans. And he's kind of got like one of those old, Kind of like my dad used to have one from Vietnam. It's like those old uh, olive drab kind of military looking jacket thing. That's what he's got on. He kind of looks like a rocker to me. And I am cracking up at his outfit. And I'm like, you have a tuxedo T-shirt on for goodness sakes. And he's like, I got a sense of humor, too. I'm, That's I mean, awesome. I mean, he's so like relatable. He's so in your zone. You know what I'm saying? He's like your flavor. It's it's like he knows so much about you and you can relate to him in every kind of level, even your sense of humor he cares about. It's like every like, you know, when you say, oh, it's just like stupid little details that no one would care about. He cares about everything, everything. I'm like, I don't know. I just can't talk enough about the guy. I could chew your ears off about him. But I mean, like I'm saying. He's so personable. He's so loving and relatable. It's crazy to me. Yeah. All good stuff. <laughs> All good stuff. I'm glad we got to talk tonight. Yes, uh, me too. Me too. I really appreciate your time. I appreciate you sharing your insights and your experiences. And um, when you do get around to reading the book, I want to, to maybe have you come back on the podcast again, and you can share some more experiences in the future. Um, I, I'm excited about what God is doing with you. I think you have a lot to share with people. You probably don't see yourself as a teacher yet, but I think he's opening doors for you. And I, I'm going to be praying for you to have open doors and that you'll have opportunities to teach people about, you know, what, what you're experiencing and what you're learning about God. Yes. Awesome. That's so cool. Thank you. Appreciate that. Well, it's been great talking to you. Well, good talking to you and tell Miss Denise I said hello. I will do that. Tell your husband I said hello, and uh, you guys have an awesome time in Maui. 
We will. All right. We'll take care, and we will talk okay. to you very soon. All right. Thanks, Kelly. Yeah, you bet. <laughs> Bye. Well, folks, that is our show for today. I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for dropping by. If you're new to the podcast and you haven't been to my website, you might drop by and check out the articles I have there. If you have any questions or comments about the show, you can contact me at admin at prayingmedic.com. That's A-D-M-I-N at prayingmedic.com. You can also contact me on Facebook and Twitter. I'd like to thank you again for dropping by. I hope you enjoyed the show.